Aloha, my beautiful friends. This is Krista Ralaxmiditten coming to you from beautiful San Diego, California. I call myself New Time Coach. I believe that each one of us, we have a treasure box hidden. And once we start to open it, we can start to manifest our inner fairy tales into this world as our dreams on our terms. And welcome to this episode of Abundance in Action. And we are very lucky and very honored to host today a very special guest directly from Hawaii, uh, Captain Cook, to be precise. And uh, welcome, Noah Gaya Lakshmi. Hello, Crystal. Thank you so much. It's, a, it's an honor and a pleasure to be here and with you. Yeah. So before we dive in, because there is so much we can talk about and converse about, I would like to say some words about uh, who is Noagaya. So uh, you call yourself life optimizer. And um, I think this is something which is so needed nowadays. We have so many things to handle. So um, that's a very needed skill. And you call yourself also self-love queen. And you are also a lifestyle design specialist. Um, you are also a cleansing specialist, mentor, speaker, author, um, life upgrade um, uh, uh, specialist as well. And in all, I could say you are a person who is not only bringing the heaven to earth, but you are also actually with your life, you are embodying the heaven on earth and also guiding others how they can you know, connect and reconnect with their heaven on earth. So welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I feel really touched. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. And um, it's a really um, exciting story when we look back, like um, how you have become the person and the queen uh, of self-love today. Um, so many years ago, um, you were only 20 years old and you actually decided to leave Israel and uh, take off to New York. And that's quite a young age to just leave and um, go to a place like New York. And New York is one of my favorite places too. Would you tell us a little backstory to that and how did New York come to your orbit and um, to go from so far um, to New York, that must be have been quite a challenge. Yeah, I love that story and I love sharing that story. <laughs> it represents so much of who I am, which is it, I'm, I'm a free spirit. And I've always been that since I was little, since I can remember myself. And my name actually, which is NLA in Hawaiian, it means to be free. It means freedom. And so I, uh, it, it didn't feel like a challenge at that time. It was something, I guess you can say, I'm a very courageous soul as well. And I didn't know that I was going to leave for the rest of my life. And so I, just a bit of a backstory of, of what was happening in my life back then. I got to a point, and yeah, at the age of, age of 20, that I felt I was in Israel and I felt that my life was a bit stale. Uh, everything was going off, kind of like off course. Uh, I noticed that all my friendships weren't fulfilling anymore. 
And I didn't feel fulfilled in my life, my relationship with my mom that I was living with at the time because my parents are not together. That uh, relationship started to go sour and something felt off in my life. That's the best way I can describe it. I had a really good friend from Israel that had moved to New York and she was there and she kept telling me, hey, come and visit, come and visit. That's how New York was in my orbit. And also a big part of that story is that I was heartbroken. The guy that I was seeing at the time, we weren't together and I was so brokenhearted by that. And so everything was off. And I remember that one evening I was, uh, I was participating in a bartending course and I was kind of dating a guy there, but I was so in love with my other boyfriend that it wasn't really going uh, the way he wanted it to go because my heart was somewhere else. And we got off the phone one evening and I remember laying on my bed after I got off the phone with him. And I remember that moment like it was yesterday. I said internally to myself, I'm going to New York. I'm just done here. And a month later, I was on a plane. So from that moment, I knew that I had a couple of more weeks in the bartending course. And then there was the process of getting a visa, you know, the interview and all of that stuff. And it took a month, about a month and a half. So July 16th, July 15th is when I left uh, Israel. And again, I thought I was just going to go for six months. And then my plan was to go traveling in South America. And I ended up living in New York for seven years. The guy that I was heartbroken about ended up coming to New York and we ended up living together for a couple of years. And so that, that was just the beginning of, uh, of a complete new chapter in my life. New York is, um, it's such a haven of multicultural, multi-everything. It's um, very easy to get lost there, but you actually dove deeper into yourself and who you are, and you started to um, explore different types of yoga. Um, Can you share with us that journey? Because you went through like several types of different types of yoga, and um, where are you with that journey today? And yoga is such an amazing science of body, mind, soul. And it has so much to contribute to all of us in our lives. But so often people are maybe scared or have negative experiences. So they need a little more encouragement and maybe also different stories to feel like, okay, maybe I should still put the toe in. Yeah, absolutely. So I never, I didn't know what New York was about. Like I definitely didn't go there for the glamour or the the party life. That wasn't my life at all. Uh, Before I got into yoga, that that happened in New York the first time. I was living there for about a year and just saving money because I knew I wanted to go traveling. So I was working in a coffee shop and I'm a very focused and dedicated person, and you can say I'm very spiritual in my nature. I've always been since I was little, as I said, and so that's why New York, the draw wasn't the party life and all of that. It was an exploration of let's just see what's here, and then yoga found me, 
actually, and I never pursued that. I didn't even know what yoga was before I uh, started yoga. And I did not start yoga because of any spiritual, now that I, at least that I was, I, I was aware of, uh, any spiritual reasons. I was very much into um, exercising and wanting to, you know, improve my, my health and look better. So it was kind of like a superficial reason why I started yoga and it was Bikram yoga. So Bikram yoga was my first introduction to yoga. And for people that don't know, Bikram yoga is the hot yoga. There's a, it's a sequence of 26 postures and a couple of breathing exercises. And I started hearing about it because back then it started to become a, a really popular thing, especially in New York, LA and the big cities. And I started hearing about it. And what I started hearing is that you burn a lot of calories because you do yoga at 90 minutes in a hot room. And that I was like, I'm there. <laughs> <laughs> and so I went to do my first class and I was hooked. And that's my nature when I am really passionate about something, I dive in head first and I don't look back. And so I got into Bikram yoga. I got addicted in a sense. I was in that hot room six days a week. Um, so I was working and doing Bikram yoga, working and doing Bikram yoga. That was my life for like a year and a half in, in New York. And uh, after I, I, pract I had practiced for a little while and I went to South America and then I went back to New York, after doing a few classes, the message came very clear to me, oh, I want to teach this. And that's when I went and I did a teacher training and I was full-time yoga teacher in New York for, for a few years. And so that was my life, just teaching yoga, doing yoga all at Bikram. And the introduction to other forms of yoga came later on when I moved to, to Maui. And that's when I started exploring other um, modalities of yoga. And the thing with yoga is that there's so many different, different styles and people can, can get intimidated, but there's different levels. There's different styles. There, there are different teachers and now even more so. So I started yoga. It was 2003 you know, so 17 years later now, there's so much available and so many different combinations of different styles. So people can really say like dip their toes and find what resonate with them. And things change. Like I don't do Bikram anymore, but I was addicted for years. Like you couldn't convince me to do anything else. <laughs> and now it's, it's, a, it's too rigid for me, for my body. And so I enjoy different different varieties and different styles and moving more intuitively. And some people can pick and choose what works for them. Mm -hmm. yeah. You have been now for years, um, very dedicated with uh, Kundalini yoga and um, you have expressed, you have lots of videos on your YouTube channel too. Um, you have expressed that this is like a new technology, like body technology, um, can you share uh, shortly what are those uh, different elements of Kundalini Yoga which really, um, you know, really inspire and motivate you to keep doing especially that type of yoga for you? 
Right. Yeah, man. Kundalini yoga completely shifted my life in so many ways. I now, now currently my practice varies depending on um, what I feel is right for me. So I don't even, you know, follow Kundalini yoga strictly in the way that I used to. However, I have so much appreciation for that style of yoga because it utilizes the key elements of life and the key elements of our the awakening of our life force, which is breath, sound, and light. And Kundalini Yoga is a technology because it uses the body in such intelligent ways. It engages our prana, it engages our voice, and it engages our energy body. And to, to awaken that Kundalini energy that lives in the base of the spine. So ultimately, every style of yoga is designed to do that with different asanas with different movements and compressions and extensions of of the body and kundalini yoga though is a little bit different than the other styles of yoga in a sense that it doesn't have the regular asanas or the movement that people typically see in the yoga practice it focuses more on the breath so there's a lot of breathing exercises and the breath is where the life force is. And it focuses on mantras, which engages the voice and the technology of sound. And it engages, um, as I said, light, the light in the body through meditations. So Kundalini yoga practice can vary from very intense. Some practices can be very intense to all the way to extremely meditative and uh, very, very mellow. That is, is more of an inward focus. So it's medicine. And it, what it does is that it goes into the subconscious using the breath, using the mantra, using the voice, using light to clear away, to chip away through any blocks, internal blocks, physical blocks, um, energetic blocks that keep us separated from that life force that we call kundalini energy that moves up and down our spine, which what happens then when there's blockages there, people are disconnected from their divine nature and from expressing that divine nature fully and completely and freely. So in kundalini yoga, a person receives an experience of their own soul, of their own divinity by engaging all those elements during a practice. And the consistency of Kundalini Yoga of doing it you know, on a daily basis, at least for, for a period of time, is when people see um, incredible results. I saw it in my life and people that I work with and students and clients, and it is so life-changing in so many ways. Yeah, very powerful. So what would you say um, to people um, who have had maybe negative experiences, maybe bad teachers, or like in my case, I've tried also so many different types of yogas, and I have two extremes. Like one is, it's so boring, I'm almost like falling asleep during the class, or the other one is like, it's so like, it excruciatingly um, challenging it's so intimidating and I'm like afraid to hurt myself or break myself <laughs> and the teacher also then usually doesn't support that that well 
And the only yoga type which I found like um, matching with maybe what I go through with my body right now is the aerial yoga. And the rest is, um, I haven't really clicked. Maybe it's also the question of the teacher. Uh, what would you say to people who have had similar experiences with yoga? Because I know the benefit is there, but um, there's also lots of that, you know, <laughs> how to move through, through that and then dive into the yoga, which would match for you. How do you find the right yoga for you? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Uh, as I said, there are so many different styles and it's a matter of exploring and find what works for you. And I've noticed that in life, you can find something to not work for you or be boring or whatnot. And then a year later, you may try it again. And all of a sudden, it's wow, it's such a different experience, right? So to always remain open, to always remain curious, and to listen, and to listen to the signs and see uh, what works for you at any given, at a given time. And yeah, the teacher sometimes makes a, makes a huge difference. And uh, I personally now, as I said, I like to combine different styles. I actually combine Kundalini Yoga with Vinyasa and do more of an intuitive movement. And just because something is good for you you know we hear that it's good for you but it might not be suitable and yes yoga is an amazing technology and it has been a medicine on my path but there's so many different things so you might enjoy aerial yoga now and that's great and some people are more into qigong or tai chi or, or um, dancing and and you know so to me because i'm i'm coming from a very rigid um mindset you know i was just very rigid with bikram yoga with kundalini yoga and i i still have that focus but i am much less rigid in a sense of yes i've got personal practice i have my daily practice but it's much more intuitive mm -hmm. so i go i go through periods where actually my body doesn't feel like doing the structural yoga postures and i feel like moving more freely and then i go into a period where yeah my body is craving that flow that sequence um so the bottom line with all of that is what's important is every person find the ways that help them to feel good in their bodies at any given moment and at some point a yoga can be a great medicine but then it might be you know a time to to switch to maybe a different style of yoga a completely different practice and to mm -hmm. be open to that and to not most important thing is to have the mind flexible and mm -hmm. to be um open to change when change is is being asked and i think also two things which you mentioned here are very important is one is timing because we also have our bodies have seasons you know I've had times where I did aerial silks and it was a season for it. And I was like really into that. And then there was times when I did free diving and it was like, you know, season for that. And then the other thing you mentioned here is also personality because it may be just that certain type of yoga, which helps you maybe fine tune something in you or discipline yourself, you know, so there may be so many facets connected to that. So 
very good. So one thing which I think uh, yoga is a really good way um, to remind ourselves and which is also quite a big focus of your work and your message is that we are generally as a planet and as humans uh, being so disconnected and one of the ways we are disconnected is we are disconnected from our bodies and um, you had a huge experience and a, a personal uh, challenge with that when you had your uh, food issues and um, moving through that and I think that's one of the things which is very and it's getting more and more serious all over the world um, just as I mentioned in our conversation with the emails I have a very nice friend in Hawaii Vayana Reynolds who has written a book about food addiction and I think so many of us we are not conscious in our relation to food or our bodies and I have gone through like a major process with it myself, like just uh, during the last years, I've lost like 30 pounds and changed my diet. And now I've put like, you know, uh, physical movement and all of those things are like the number one priority in my list of things to do. Like this morning, I jumped into the ocean and I walked and I did all my uh, morning things. So I'm full as a person. So I can do this podcast and deliver more because I'm full I took care of me so what do you say about that journey of disconnection to the body and food and maybe not conscious to the food and also your journey with that relation to the food and self-love as well yeah oh crystal <laughs> this is great <laughs> I can talk about this for hours and hours yeah. so yeah um as I said, yoga for me was medicine. That was um, a, a healing. That's when he, big healing started happening in my life is through Bikram yoga in particular because Bikram yoga, 90 minutes, and then in a 90-minute class, you're actually looking at yourself in the mirror the whole time. And that was the biggest challenge for me. It wasn't the postures or being in a hot room. It's like, okay, yeah, that's, that's challenging, but it's not a big deal for me. It was actually looking at myself in the mirror and not hating what I saw. And when I started actually liking what I was seeing, that's when I realized, oh, man, this, this, is, this is not just yoga. There's some profound shifts that are happening for me mentally and emotionally. And that's when I realized the potency of yoga as, as medicine. And my journey with that, so I had eating disorders when I was in high school, like late teens, and all the way into uh, basically until I started practicing Bikram yoga. So it was um, anorexia and then bulimia and a complete disconnection from my body. And on a spiritual level, uh, deeper, deeper layers of that, there's, a, there's some sort of a spiritual disconnection of not really realizing the divine that lives within me. Like, this is all verbiage that I'm using now, but back then I just had no idea. <clears throat> and my healing path started through yoga and through Bikram Yoga, as I said. And then when I realized the, the potency of that, and I was already so passionate about food and about health, it started to, um, again, the, the, the process was unfolding naturally. I started learning more about food and um, 
started eliminating things out of out of my diet and learning more and more and more and more and I became more and more passionate with the yoga and with the food and with nutrition and that's when I started working with with clients as a as a coach and after a few years I had the realization regarding self-love like that was never something that I thought about again it wasn't a term that I even used but I realized, well, what is, the, what is that piece, what is that glue that actually helps people not only make a change, but stick to that? Because I kept seeing, well, people get you know, very enthusiastic or excited about a yoga practice or excited about a, a new diet, and they feel great for a few weeks or maybe a few months, maybe even a year. But then going back to same habits. So I started thinking and contemplating, well, what is, what makes a difference? What actually compels a person to catalyze a shift or, or start something new and actually maintain that? And that's when I, self-love came into the picture and I realized the, the value of of self-love and what it means and realizing that self-love actually in its core is first of all myself and others realizing what is this body and what lives in this body and recognizing the divinity that we are in this physical body. So I started putting all those pieces together based on my journey and my exploration and my observation through the years of teaching yoga and uh, working with clients and diving deeper and deeper into the health of this physical body and why is it so important because our soul lives in this body. This is a vehicle and this is a temple. And when there's a disconnection from that, from this physical body, from this temple, then there's disconnection from our, our true nature, actually. And you had this um, really interesting notion there. You said um, that moment when you had that insight, like, oh, my God, I'm comparing myself with others. And... Um, this is such a crucial moment, I think, when all of us, when we uh, stand up to that, like, yes, I am different, but it doesn't mean that I'm worse or like they are better. It's just that I'm different, I'm unique, and it's my responsibility to take care of my body, my temple, and clean my house and keep it clean so that, you know, I can... Um, converse and relate and communicate with the world and share my gifts the best way I can. Otherwise, I'm moving around as a garbage, you know, car or whatever uh, bin. So um, can you tell us a little more about that uh, insight of comparing with others and how that is actually, I see it almost like a little disease in, in all over the world, like how it really screws us up, you know, yeah, I want to talk about the real pandemic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah, I uh, I agree with you one hundred percent. It it is it's a virus. It, it's a the way I I explain it and I talk about it in my book too is that we are um, we are infected with uh, with many viruses and what is called a human condition. So we have a human experience and and our human experience is vastly different than the way it was designed to be because of the human condition. And what do I mean by the human condition? It's all those viruses that we've been infected with, the conditioning of our mind, and we are actually slaves to certain programs, one of them being the comparison, because comparison leads to competition and comparison leads to separation. And those, those are uh, some of the most... Uh, extreme uh, diseases and viruses that we are subjected to and and we it comes through us through the media it comes to us through the media mainly and when I look back at myself and my journey uh, one of the factors that contributed to my eating disorders and um, distorted self-image and the comparison was media as a young girl, as a young woman, and it's not just me, all over the world, subjected to very twisted and distorted messages around body image and especially women. But it's something that we see regardless of gender. Again, the competition and separation. So it got really deep into my consciousness and I've lived, I'm still reversing that. I've lived pretty much my entire adult life um, comparing Mm -hmm. and of course got the message of I am not good enough and I wanted to change everything about myself like I wanted Crystal I wanted the colors that you have like I wanted to be blonde I wanted to have blue eyes I I, and I dyed my hair blonde for many years like you can see see pictures of mine from the late teens early 20s and I was dyeing my hair I contemplated putting contacts in at some point. I wanted to have a nose job. I wanted to have a boob job because my, my, my breasts are too small in my perception, right? Where did I get all those messages? So um, that was just a big um, disease in my consciousness that I learned to reverse and to come to a place of wholeness within myself where there's no comparison which again, it comes from a place of recognizing my divinity and the uniqueness in which my divinity expresses itself. Um, Would you say that um, that acknowledgement of divinity is one of the core first steps people could take to get out of it? Or are there some other steps you would recommend them to take? That's a great question. And it depends on the person and where they're at in their awareness, because with some people and myself included, when you're not um, exposed to that kind of verbiage and culture, then if I came to somebody and introduced to them the, the concept of the idea of, that they are divinity, for some people, it's like I'm speaking Japanese. Like, I don't know what you're talking about. So as you know, as a coach, is meeting a person where they're at. And it's not about good or bad. We all start somewhere. So if somebody is is already open and have a certain grasp or an understanding of that, then we can start with there and build upon it. And for some people, it's something that 
they can they start to be open to and receive that at a later stage. So it really depends on where the person is at and um, what the starting point is. Yeah, and because also, I, I know I know that I've speaking I've spoken to people that they have no idea what I'm talking about when I say divinity lives in every cell in your body. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know yeah, what you're talking like, about. Yeah. I've had that too. And also I think one other thing here is um, so many times, um, especially when you start to work as a coach, you start to see what's like wrong with people. <laughs> and sometimes it's like, almost feels like you would like to tap on their shoulder, like, Hey, you could do this and that, but we have to be like patient and wait for them to come to us and ask for that information and be ready. And if they're not ready, it's no point of sharing that information. So I think that's the challenge also. And also, even if you're not the coach, like also with people who are closest to you, like that's the same thing, right? Yeah, absolutely. Like if, if, Take my mom, for example, you know, I spoke with her two days ago. It's not something I can tell her. She, mm-hmm. she, would know, she, do, she wouldn't know what I'm talking about. And even myself included, as I said, when I started doing Bikram yoga, I was 24. I, that was not part of my verbiage. I would not, if, if you had told me that back then, I wouldn't have resonated with that. Because to me, I started doing yoga because I wanted to look better. You know, and it's like, okay, it doesn't matter. Let's, let's, get, let's get you through the back door and, and then take it from there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and every person has to find their way into, like, the foot into the door. For some, like you, it was yoga. You know, for me, it was basically angel therapy where everything started. So everyone has their way how the soul is knocking on the doors like okay okay now you're ready let's go deeper <laughs> and then yes. you start to take your baby steps so um now let's dive a little deeper into the topic of food because um i'll i share a little story of my country and how this relates to my relation to food and then you can fill in um a little more because you have so much more knowledge about uh, this topic so I'm from Estonia, which many people maybe don't know. We were occupied by Russia for 50 years. And during the uh, Soviet times, what happened was that we had real uh, shortage of food and certain items. So my grandmother, who was raising me mainly, was very resourceful, figuring out ways to always have food on the table. We had a little garden, so we got um, lots of the uh, fruits and veggies from our garden. And she always managed to do jams and all kinds of things to uh, get us through the uh, cold winters as well. But I realized that um, with that culture and also collective consciousness with food and also during the Second World War, where basically, uh, you know, uh, many uh, homes ran out of food because everything was just so closed down and resources were difficult to get to. So. Uh, the collective consciousness, uh, which is connected to Estonia, I think had that, you know, you have to always uh, eat a little extra because you don't know where that next meal may come. And this uh, consciousness or awareness came to me only like a couple of years ago when I was going through a family constellation workshop and I was just observing my own 
patterns connected to that. And I was like, oh my God, like this is crazy. And then I started to really observe, like, you know, how much do I eat and how do I combine my food? And um, I started to do um, deeper detoxes. I had a really amazing healer in uh, Mexico who did liver detoxes for a certain period of time combining food. And um, it was like first time I did the liver detox, I think seven to 10 days. I was like amazed, like my skin looked like a baby skin. I was like like a new person coming back into life with new awareness. <laughs> and then after that, I started to, I think I went a little extreme. I, I started to try all kinds of detoxes. So um, uh, I even did a yoni detox, which um, uh, was like really extreme. And um, over the years, um, it has really um, gave, given me lots of insights about food and my body and how it's connected and disconnected. And then also I did um, do a little amazing program they actually have in Hawaii on the big island. Um, there is a program called Trunk Trainers and they do like challenges. That one was six weeks to eat differently and work out differently. And then this one was mainly for losing weight. And I did that. And then that was my reset for realizing, oh, my God, I'm combining the food completely wrong. I'm eating two big portions and um, all, you know, fats and like everything is like out of alignment. So as I started to realign those things and combine food and have the right portions, the change and shifts and of course the whole outside of me <laughs> changed so every time people met me they're like they didn't recognize me anymore <laughs> because I had changed like my physical started to change and that was like such an amazing uh, journey but um, it, it doesn't come overnight and I think that's what people also maybe have to remind themselves that you know you have to be patient and you have to be like kind of stick to it because so so many times we slip back into the old ways so do you have any comments of of that and then you you can uh, tell about uh relation to food how to change that oh my god i've got so much to say about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh and thank you so much for sharing your story and yeah. it deeply resonates with me and um is connected to my lineage my mom is actually from latvia Oh, wow. And we are almost yes. relatives. <laughs> yes, exactly. And so cool. she grew up there. She she moved to Israel when she was 17. Wow. Wow. Great story. So it, it, is, it is part of my lineage. And what I discovered as it relates to food, what you were sharing about the um, kind of having that scarcity mentality, right? The survival. Like I've got to, I've got to drink, I've got to drink, I've got to eat as much as possible, I found um, in my own exploration, family constellations and realizations around food that is connected to Holocaust and the mentality of, again, that, that scarcity. And uh, I've got to eat as much as possible, you know, before it goes away. And so it doesn't really matter what kind of food uh, one's eat is the relationship to it. Because I've I eat very simple, I eat very pure, I eat very clean, but I had a realization my relationship with food is not actually healthy. So it doesn't matter what I'm eating. On the emotional and energetic level, there's some something out of alignment. So it really resonated with me what you said, and I feel that we have some parallel lines there. Yeah. 
Yeah, and that's another disease in our society, 100%, uh, when it comes to food. I've, I've been saying this for years, that it's the one drug that nobody wants to talk about. Um, and it's okay. It's just a matter of, of collective consciousness and readiness. Mm -hmm. And on the individual level, again, working with clients, is that's almost like the last thing that people are ready to let go of. Yeah, because it's addiction. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They'll let go of so many things, but when it comes to food and there's so many belief systems as well, and we are bombarded with so much information and so much confusion where, and this is my path and this is what I'm passionate about in, in actuality, truth is simple. Always. If it's way too complicated, ask questions because nature is simple, complex. Yes, but it's simple. Our bodies are very simple very complex, very simple, really. It's all about chemistry and chemistry and, and there's, there's, there's nothing to argue with. And, you know, our body and is it, just like nature. It's part of nature. But because in our society, there's such a massive disconnection, right, from our bodies, from our nature, then things start to get complicated, convoluted, and too complex. And people get lost and people get confused even on on a healthy, uh, when they find themselves seeking for healthier food. So the relationship with food, that's when we go into emotional components. And some people feel very, very uncomfortable going there. Therefore, it's hard to let go of some habits when it comes to food because there's comfort there. Um, so you were talking about the scarcity mentality for many people. I know from my own journey, when I had this re re revelation that I wasn't nourished as a baby, like my mom stopped breastfeeding me when I was two months old. And th it's a whole nother conversation about how depleted mothers are. So the milk itself is not nourishing actually for the baby. So I had a very severe sense of not being nourished since I was a baby and many many people walk around with that emotional unconscious baggage without even knowing that there's a deep level of not feeling nourished. And so there's... And then they, yeah, and then they yeah. try to like fill it with like all kinds of addictions and bad stuff and relationships and God, God knows what, right? Yeah, absolutely. So food is such a... There's so many emotional components to food. Mm-hmm. And when one so, decides to rectify that, then it brings up a lot of, of emotions and uncomfortable realizations, perhaps. Yeah. So right now, just recently, you went through 21 days of water detox and uh, fasting. Um, you, it's not the first time you have done something like this, but uh, would you share with us uh, why are detoxing or fasting on that extreme like important and why is it you do it? Yeah, oh, well, the, this is definitely my path. And uh, this is, was my first time of doing a 21-day water fast. The longest I've done up until this point was seven days. And uh, it's a vastly different experience, seven to and 21 days. And I've been preparing my body and my mind for years to embark on a 21-day water fast. And that's my path. And again, now everybody has a different, different path and different medicine. However, I would say in our society today, modern society, every single person would uh, benefit 
from a long water fast with the right preparation for it. And also coming out. Yes. Yeah. With the right guidance, with the right preparation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Some people throw themselves into long fasts without prior preparation and they, they get the blowback from that. So there's arts to, uh, to detoxification. And so the kind of detoxification that I specialize in is regenerative detoxification. Because it's not just about the detox, it's about the regeneration. And our bodies are so intelligent and they're so resilient and they can regenerate no matter how severe uh, the conditions may be. And many people walk around, they seem to be healthy, they actually seem they look really good, but on the inside, there's a mess going on. And then that mess is going to blow back in their face at one point, at some point. Mm -hmm. So the key is to know how to detox and how to regenerate after that. And as I shared earlier, the key to all of that is self-love. Because if you, if you don't have enough self-love for yourself, then, yeah, you'll do the detox, you know, whatever. You'll be on the, on the wagon for a little bit, and then you, you'll, you'll go back. But when the motivation is more than just losing weight, is more than just looking good, which is okay. My motivation to go into Bikram Yoga was to look good. But you've got to cross that line and steep yourself in self-love in order to maintain a lifestyle that actually supports your well-being. So when I work with clients, I, it's always about the foundation of let's love yourself first and then implement the changes because we want the changes to be long-lasting and not just something great to experience for a couple of months. And the water yeah. fast that, that I chose to do is because I, I got to a point in my life of readiness, physically, mentally, and emotionally. And I had several intentions going into the fast. One of them was to deepen my relationship with myself, with God, with my body, heal my relationship with food, and to remove the obstructions physically, emotionally, mentally, of God's light that is moving through my body. So anything that is obstructing that, um, you know, water fast is where you really go deep into the cellular memory of the body and breaking down all the material that is sitting, sitting in the body and kind of holding old energy with it. And I think also this process activates, I've felt it so many times, uh, self-patience, <laughs> uh, to learn to be patient with yourself. And also, even if things don't turn out the way you expected or whatever comes through, um, because every detox, even if you do the same protocol, is completely different because your body is different, you are in a different spot in your life, there are different things, detoxifying and so on. So um, how could people cultivate that self-patience also when they go, especially longer ones like, like you did, 21 days? Oh, it's a, it's a one day at a time <laughs> process. Yeah. And I, I, I got to a, a water fast, a long water fast, 
it's, uh, of course, everything works together, the physical, the mental, the emotional. Uh, at a certain point, though, it's really not about the body anymore. The body does its thing. Like hunger is not even an issue after seven days. Like it's not even an issue. It's the mental. Like for me, it was watching my mind just seeing the beast that it is. <laughs> so how to cultivate self-patience, I feel it's for me self-patient is a, as a result of self-love being patient with oneself being compassionate with oneself and it's something that comes with time and softening um softening the grip of the mind and eliminating discarding all the conditionings that we've been um, we've been subjected to uh, because we we are in a society that is more masculine driven and the pushing and the comparison and the lack of pati- patience like all those things that we are reversing and moving more into uh, a feminine way of living uh, being guided by the feminine principles so one of the feminine principles for me is patience and something that I'm still learning and I'm I'm still cultivating big time <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. It's so important. And um, now what would you suggest for people? I see um, from your materials and things also, uh, you're very conscious. It seems also the recipes you put together, you're already there also looking into detoxing. So there are certain uh, foods and also veggies and fruits, which can help you actually with those uh, detoxifying elements. Uh, So you can also support your body detoxifying like every day. Like I just read about parsley. I didn't know that parsley had that effect on the body. So would you also recommend then, I I know many yogic traditions recommend like to do uh, one day water fast per week or uh, something regular. So you kind of give your body a little rest because we just, I think most, if you're not conscious, we are overloading our system too much <laughs> yeah 100 percent um and that's a great question um when it comes to detox it again it's a very individual thing um however one of the things that i give people as a general guideline that can bring about such significant shifts even if you don't change anything uh, in what you eat uh, what i give people is Start eating your dinner earlier. Uh, best if you eat before sunset. So don't eat after the sun has set because when it gets dark, the body is actually start releasing melatonin and preparing the body for sleep. And so if you think about it, we put food in your stomach and in your body, then the body now is needing to digest and all the processes that come with it where actually the body is like, wait a second, but I'm, I'm getting ready to rest. So this starts to be this tug of war. And when people do that on a consistent basis, again, they, they don't even know, but the adrenals become really task, uh, uh, taxed and the digestive system becomes really taxed. And then over time, you start experiencing conditions and you don't relate, you don't put the two together. So I always say, just, just bring your dinner, you know, start bringing it an hour earlier, two hours earlier until you get to a point where you eat your dinner before sunset and then eat breakfast an hour later and start pushing it a little bit. So you, you, you 
open the window of time where the body is not digesting. You know, people call it intermittent fasting, right? And that's, that's a, that, that alone is going to shift so much in someone's health, even if they don't change anything in their eating, in their actual food. Just eat earlier dinner and later breakfast. And if you drink coffee, make sure you have something in your tummy. Like, of course, best if you don't drink coffee, but, you know, that's one step of it at a time. At least have something in your tummy before you drink the coffee because the coffee is so acidic. And when you put that first thing, it literally, think about drinking acid, a, a battery acid. Mm. It burns your stomach literally and doing that every single mm. day. And then, you know, 10 years from now, all of a sudden, all of a sudden you wake up and you've got, you know, yeah. much uh, greater issues. Yeah. The first thing I drink every morning is Moringa shake. So um, it's, uh, it should be really good with um, also... Um, alkalizing and all the uh, elements in it like I did research about it and I was so amazed and while we lived in Hawaii we actually had a moringa bush in the back garden so I first time like also saw the bush itself <laughs> I was like um, and that has it's also immune system boost because nowadays that's like so crucial I started to also um, dip into the cold water again. Um, ocean here is, of course, uh, different temperature than it was in Hawaii or Mexico. <laughs> so building up that, and I feel like it's like resetting the whole body. Of course, it's cold. Of course, it's uncomfortable. But um, it's just like it's awakening the whole metabolism. It get, gets a little shock and starts to work a little differently. And it's like it feels amazing afterwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, so, thank you for this beautiful journey, and I think we have enough material for actually two episodes. So it will be really uh, juicy stuff for our listeners and viewers. So, if anyone is interested to take contact with you, what's the best way to reach you? Yeah, absolutely. So my website is noalakshmi.com. I spell Lakshmi with S-H because I see Lakshmi, you would do just S. So N-O-A-L-A-K-S-H-M-I.com. And you can pretty much find every, every my services and everything there. A YouTube channel for yoga videos and other interviews that I have um, that's under my name, Noah Lakshmi. And pretty much my name across all platforms, uh, Instagram, um, Facebook. I also have a group on Facebook called True Health. You can find uh, the group there. I'm going to be less and less active on Facebook, actually, just pulling myself out into different platforms. So Instagram, YouTube, and my website for sure. And then my email is there on my website, noahatnoahlakshmi.com. And you are so kind also to gift our listeners and viewers with a beautiful, amazing, very abundant gift. Uh, can you say a couple of words about that and how people can put that into use? Yeah, absolutely. So it's a beginner's guide to radiant health. As I said, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of simplicity and the sea of information that people have, especially when it comes to raw food. People get really intimidated because they think, yay, you printed it out. <laughs> um, people think it's really complicated and they're really intimidated. So my intention with this uh, guide and recipe book is to make things very simple for people to take the first steps and to start incorporating more 
living foods into their day-to-day life and how to do it in a proper way, how to do it in a simple way. Those are, rest- those are simple, super simple recipes that a five-year-old can, can make, maybe with the, with the help of, of, a, of a, an adult. Uh, but that's my, <clears throat> that's my intention, is to make it really, really simple for people and they can start implementing those little changes into their day-to-day life in, a, in an easeful way. And, and there's some guidelines as well and a shopping list and explanation of why living foods are really essential and important and how to pick the right fruit and how to eat it in the right way and then recipes that you can just experiment with. Thank you so much. I, I just had a little quick look into it and it feels like, wow, this will help me to embody heaven even more. Yay! <laughs> Great. <laughs> yeah, so thank you so much. And um, I wish you all the best with all the adventures and co-creations you are uh, doing on this earth and what a gift you are to this planet. And um, thank you for sharing your time and uh, precious being with me and our listeners and viewers. Crystal, my absolute, absolute, absolute delight and pleasure. You are such a gem, such an angel. And it is an honor for me to be a guest on your show and to share myself in this space with you. I'm very grateful for you and the invitation to come on. And we also give um, thanks to our common friend who connected us in Kauai. <laughs> so yes. um, thank you too. So this is the way this world um, functions nowadays. Who is ready will be connected and co-creation will be born. Indeed. Yeah. Thank you. Mahalo. Mahalo. Aloha. Aloha. And um, for a little reminder for all the viewers, as always, to support this beautiful podcast, please like, share, comment, and also download uh, the episodes so that we can um, start to grow and even more uh, share the beautiful, amazing uh, nuggets and pearls which our guests uh, bring uh, to us. Thank you so much. Mahalo. Mahalo.